Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com 
where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I am super excited to be back with you on another episode my friend, Nick Nanton. Nick is a multiple time Emmy award-winning director who has made a couple of documentary films that I'm absolutely in love with and has an incredible story and journey. Nick, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? I'm doing great. I am here uh, in a hotel room, as you can see. I don't know, I don't live in a sketchy, dark place like this. Uh, this is a hotel room in New York City. I'm here uh, filming for I'm doing a documentary right now on uh, doing a couple, and we're knocking out a couple shoots. Uh, one for Dick Vitale, Dickie V from ESPN. Uh, mm. and so I'm interviewing uh, Robin Roberts from uh, from Good Morning America, and then I'm also doing a doc with Chris Voss of Never Split the Difference, and we are filming actually with uh, Brandon Voss, his son, who does a lot of work with them, uh, training NYPD. So should be lots of fun. Man, that just sounds like such an adventure. The the storyteller in me is is vehemently jealous of the fact that you get to have amazing conversations with people all day long. Um, in in a past life, something I don't really share on the show. I don't know if I've actually ever said this. Um, I was an award winning photographer, and I just love documenting, capturing stories. Um, one of the things that sparked me to be very interesting that that I heard you say, and I don't know if this was in passing or if you this was really your experience. Um, was that you Googled how to win an Emmy? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. true. What was, t- talk me through that process. Here, here's why I want to dive into this. Cause I think so many yeah. people are like, I'm going to pop on Google. They're going to read this stuff and don't do about it. Obviously yeah. that wasn't your case scenario. So talk me through that process. Yeah. Well, so, you know, one thing, so I've been a songwriter my 
like whole life basically. And so, and we, we won this major international songwriting contest, like, I don't know, it's been 20 years now, whatever, but I, I learned along the way from judging uh, and I still write a lot of country music. I write a lot of Nashville. I do a lot of country and pop. Um, but I learned along the way when they were like, when trying to enter different things, um, like half the time you are probably more than half the time you're out of the running before you even start because you, you enter the wrong way. Like you enter the wrong category, you enter that. And so I Googled out with an Emmy and just said, okay, if I, if I want to go after this, like, you know, if it's a goal, because obviously, I mean, well, I think most people want professional validation. I think it's, I think it's helpful in a lot of ways. I don't think you should rule your life, but it's, it's helpful to make sure you're on the right track. Right. Um, but I just said, okay, let me, let me get as much info as I can on this. And we live uh, in this age with this thing called the internet and there's lots of great information out there. So I just Googled it. And it's, I mean, it said it, one of the best things I got out of it was a contact of um, a lady who had been uh, a, like she had run a chapter of the national Academy of Television arts and sciences. And she was, she was, I think, I believe like, you know, if I can be of any help, let me know you, you find in, in these circles, once you get into these circles, most people are actually willing to be helpful. Um, it actually makes their job easier if you don't enter the wrong category or you, and you don't pitch fit about it or whatever. So it basically said anyone can produce with, with where production has come to now with the, the decline in pricing of cameras and you know, nonlinear editing on computers, like everybody can make something that looks great. And so, I mean, the biggest piece of advice I have is like focus on the story. Like you got to find a great story. And I would think that's, that is what I took out of that the most is like, all right, I got to find the story that is worthy of me telling and worthy of, you know, the world wanting to hear it. And then, um, and then of course I, I then had a contact to say, Hey, uh, if we want to enter this, you know, what would be the correct category? And over the years, by the way, um, it's been hugely helpful to just go to, I mean, go to any, anyone who runs awards, they have rules, right? And there's typically someone in charge of the rules that would love to help you make sure you're not breaking the rules. Would love to help you make sure that you're doing the right thing. But it's so funny because we sort of would think, or I don't know about you, but I would think like, oh man, if I want to enter the Emmys, I can't talk to anybody there. Like, I, yeah, like it, they don't want to tell me the secrets or whatever, but it's, it's not that way. And it's typically not that way with any sort of award body that I've found, unless it's a secret society. And then I don't, I don't know what to do with those. So, yeah, totally. I agree with you. I think that, I think it's a misnomer that people aren't willing to help you. I, I think somehow that's misportrayed, call it through the media, call it through, you know, the news, whatever it may be. But I, I have found that people are incredibly kind, incredibly willing, but you have to ask for help. Like you gotta be willing to to put yourself out there and go, Hey, am I playing this game the right way? Yep. Yep. So that that's, that's a big piece of it. And so I had big, multiple lessons I got out of that, but it's, it's a funny it is a funny line and gets lots of attention. And it is true. I, I remember I was on an airplane. I'm like, well, let me look this up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, that's the thing too, man. Like it's right there in front of you. Do something with it. You know, one of the things that I, I'm really interested to talk to you about here is um, how you found storytelling through this form. And what I mean by that is through documentary filmmaking, specifically being a director, like what part of that is so compelling to you? Because there's a there's a level here where where in your position you have to experience both the best and the worst of humanity. What about this drives you to the place where you're like, I'm willing to dedicate my life to something? Yeah. And so I mean, I think it was not intentional at all, by the way. I mean, like that I would end up doing as much of this as I've been doing. I mean, quite frankly, I feel like I, I went to undergrad and law school. 
and I was a mu- I'm a music guy. I really want to be a, a record producer, you know, record label executive, songwriter, and it's really freaking hard. And so I just said, you know, man, maybe that's one of the things that that prompted me to look into the Emmys. I'm like, man, I don't I don't see a Grammy in my near future. Let me see what it would take to win an Emmy. And so I I just started, you know, I I think I took all the things I had learned from, you know, my work in music and everything else and and my branding agency that I built. And I just realized that if I wanted to make great films, um, I just needed to build a great team. And so I started building a team. And what I got fascinated by was obviously the quality of stories that are out there and the quality of stories that present themselves, especially when like now that people know that I do this, like like they people who know me and I make documentaries, I'm typically the only person they know who makes documentaries. So they bring everything to me and, and you get to pick and choose and, and go, oh, that's cool. Or this Here's why that might not work or why I'm not interested. But I think um, I'll give you a, a roundabout way to answer that. I, I just realized a few months ago that I liked learning. I really thought my whole life I hated learning. Like I legit thought like I hate learning. And I really realized I really just hate learning in a desk for eight hours a day in a school classroom. Like I was decent at it. Like I went, got through, got good grades, went to law school. But I, but I, I would go back and say, other than lunch and PE, there's not much I enjoyed about any level of schooling. Like I just wanted to get done. Like I finished, I finished my undergrad in two and a half years. I actually stayed till a third, another semester to finish in three years, so I could keep scholarship money. And I went right into law school. And like I just wanted to get done. I want to be done with school. I, I hated everything about it. Other than the people, I liked the people, and I had some good teachers and all that stuff. But I just did not love that process. But then I realized, like, the reason I love doing what I'm doing right now is because I actually am fascinated by learning new things and meeting new people, and that's all I get to do. Like I get to have, and when you have a camera with you, you you get no one holds back because I'm not doing exposés. I'm doing like you know we're doing we're we're storytelling and digging in. I do a lot of biographies. I do a lot of cause based stuff, and it's like. No one says, oh, yeah, you should talk to my buddy. He's a deadbeat over on Third Street. He's never done anything in his life. They're like, like I'm doing Dick Vitale's documentary right now. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I also want you to interview Shaq. And I also, oh, could you get Charles Barkley? Oh, and I'm really good friends with Kenny Chesney. Could you grab him? And it's like the the people I get to work with. And one of the delineations I make in my world is like I work with celebrity experts. I don't work with celebrities. I work with celebrity experts. I, I work with people who are so good at what they do. They're such an expert. and They're so good at it that the world cannot help but promote them and make them into a celebrity. And so that's, I, I really enjoy those conversations. At the end of the day, I love people. I love helping people. And so um, it's become this really interesting way of having this super connected network um, of everything is just sort of one phone call or text away. And part of it is me pouring in and helping, you know, honor someone's story like Larry King, like when I told his story. And then that in turn buys you, social capital if you will like i don't do it in a transactional way but if i needed to meet somebody and you like larry would you know before he passed away just wanted to make an introduction and so i like people and i like learning interesting things and i like helping and so to me documentaries is like a way that i can do it it's it's like going on vacation and you always end up with a highlight reel that's like amazing because like everything you do is being documented and then you just get to show the best parts of it and you get to weave a story that the world you know you, I, i'm i'm banking on the fact that the world will be interested in yeah yeah and and look and ultimately at the end of the day and i think you'll agree with this you don't know until you know and that means you have to put out the work and one of the things i i think about frequently is you know we're we're always on this journey of this trajectory of constantly failing 
And I think people don't necessarily wrap their mind around that, that in order to build your dream, you are going to have to fail about 10 bazillion times. And I heard you say something fascinating, man. And I, it stuck with me for a while since I heard you say it. And you were like, your first project should never be your best. And, yeah. and that to me was like, damn, that's so smart, man. What, what does that really mean? Can you break that down for me? Yeah, I try to get, so people are always like worried. Starting is the hardest thing, right? In anything, like starting a podcast, starting, like just turning on that video camera and speaking to it. I mean, we all hit these challenges daily. Like, it's funny. I'm, I'm working on building my YouTube channel because it's one of the only places in the world that you can put a video and you can get paid for it. Like there's like, it's, it's so simple yet. I never really focused on this. And so I'm like, I should, so the guy who's helped me build my YouTube channel was like, Hey man, you need to, you need to do some clips in front of a camera. Like just like sharing some of your like thought leadership and knowledge. I'm like, and I'm like, how do I do that? Like, you know, just even me, I, when I do this stuff all the time, I speak to people, I do podcasts, do interviews, but it's just out of my comfort zone because I don't do a lot of it. So like, okay, I got to figure that out. So the hardest part is starting. So what I, the reason I, I talk about, you know, I, I basically say, look, um, I know that you're not sure where to start. And every time uh, I get an email from a new script writer or a, a new photographer or a, a songwriter, typically I get a lot of songs, like people are like, hey, check this out. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And, and certainly starting early in my career and I get it. And what I, Typically, they weren't where they needed to be. I mean, that's just most of the world isn't. Most things are not blockbusters or, or number one hits. Um, and, and that's okay because it, the only way to learn how is by doing like progress. Process will give you progress. You got to keep going. You got to work with people better than you. You got to just do a lot of it. And so my way of inspiring people was like, look, if, if I told you that that song you just sent me or that painting you just sent me or that documentary you just sent me, was the best one you ever were going to make. Would you be excited or depressed? And it takes you a second to think about it. Cause like, first of all, like, God, oh, excited. That's good. like, but no, is that the last one you ever want to do? Or do you want to get, do you intend to refine this craft and get better? And inevitably the answer is like, no, no, this is, I'm just starting out. And so exactly. So let me give you feedback of, don't worry about it. You're only going to get better from here. Your first one is going to and let's just keep moving and just focus on, on constant improvement and getting better. So that's sort of why I, I, I started talking about that concept of like making people think about like, hey, if the thing you just sent me was the best you were ever going to do, you're never going to do better than that in your life. Would you be depressed or happy? And it, it reframes people thinking about, oh, this is a journey. I do have to start. I'm not going to be offended if I have room to grow. And so that's really sort of where that concept came. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful truism of, of life because I've never been good at anything the first time I did it. Never, you know, not even breathing. You know what I mean? You come out of the womb and you're like, all right, this is not working. Let's figure this out. You know, I, I think one thing's fascinating about you, and I'd, I'd be curious if you'd be willing to tap into this a little bit is this idea about self-awareness. And, and you talk about this idea of being conscious and cognizant of your strengths and your internal gifts so that you can bring value to the world. And I, I run across people in my life and I go, this person is bringing value to the world by really tapping in and harnessing the ability that they have and whatever avenue that is. And, and I would put you on that pedestal all day long. How do you do that? Yeah, so that's interesting. I was interviewing uh, Daniel Negreanu, the, uh, I think he's six-time World Series of Poker Championship. And uh, he dropped out of high school to play poker. So imagine having that conversation with your parents. Like, no, no, I got to really, this is much better than school. I'm going to go be a poker player. So it, just fascinating story anyway. 
And I asked him one of the questions I asked him, I said, Daniel, what do you think is the number one skill you must have to be a champion poker player? He goes, self-awareness. Like he didn't stop. He didn't think. I was like, okay, follow up question. Do you not think that that's maybe the key to everything in life and success? He's like, yeah, you're probably right. And so to me, it's just looking at, look, um, I, a lot of, look, I have a lot of scars, I feel like from school and school wasn't that bad, but like, I'll go back to it, but I think it's such a formative part of our life and we're forced, you know, we have these, some, thankfully, most of us have a few teachers along the way that really inspire us to do something great, but the rest of them, and I'm not blaming them. They're like, their, their job is to get people through their subject, through their grade, move on to the next grade and, and, and help elevate them. And it's really hard with, you know, 20 or 30 ducklings that have different personalities, different, you know, isms. And I got ADHD and this kid over here is on the spectrum. And this kid, you know, has dyslexia, like whatever, right? That's, that's really hard. But for someone like me, like that box, I figured out how to play the game in the box because you have to. But we, we're sort of taught that we have to be good at everything. Like, because you, you don't get celebrated if you get an A in English and a D in math. You, you don't because there's this basic skill you need to know in math. I mean, I would argue is, is trigonometry a basic skill you need to know. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. There's probably a great reason. You do need to ex experience it before you can determine, oh, I might want to be an engineer. But I think we, a lot of us have this sort of baked in bias of we got to be good at everything. And I think a really freeing moment is when you decide not only you you don't want to be good at everything. Like you realize you, you physically can't. So what do I like to do? What do I enjoy doing? What do I do? What do I do well that I wouldn't mind getting better at? And I enjoy it. And so to me, it's just like working on those strengths. And then like my whole career now has been figuring out what are my strengths and then what are my biggest weaknesses and who can help me with that? A uh, couple concepts from Dan Sullivan, strategic coach. He's amazing. You know, who, not how. I get to a point in my life now where if I want to do something new, I go, who can help me with this? Not how do I do that? I go, who can help me with this? Who do I know who's done this before? Who do I know that can share their secrets? Or who do I know that can just do it for me? And then his concept of unique ability, which, you know, the, we have this culture of, of retirement. It's a retirement culture. Like, let's do our job until we don't have to do it anymore. And then we stop doing our job. Well, that's a miserable way to live. We could all agree to that. Like, if if you don't if you don't want to do it, just why just don't do it. Now, I'm not going to tell you to be irresponsible. You got bills to pay, mouths to feed, kids, whatever. Like there's there's a road to this, but the road to that is starting to remove the things that causing the that cause you the biggest friction first, and then you'll realize it's just like remodeling a house. Once you painted the cabinets, you realize, oh man, the floor doesn't look that great. And then you redo the floor, and then now you got new cabinets, new floor, and like God, a pink color doesn't go. And then you know if if you're my wife, all of a sudden you, you need a whole new house. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, this is how it works. Right. And I give her a hard time about it too, but I have a perfection complex when it comes to like design and furniture and stuff too. So it's, it's at least half my fault. But when we do this in our lives, like we, I, I understand there's, there's, there's a lot of things at play here. There's there. I think the idea um, that anyone can do anything they want. I love the aspiration, but I don't think it's realistic in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, there's a certain, like I have limitations. Like I am, I cannot be Shaquille O'Neal. Like I'm not going to get an NBA. I was not born seven foot six and 800 pounds. Like it's just not going to happen. Now, could I find an alternate path? Well, I mean, maybe, but I'm just not that gifted at the game of basketball, whatever, whatever it is. And so I think just looking at, okay, um, 
what causes me the greatest friction? How do I remove these things? And how do I get, how do I start looking for this concept of unique ability? This thing that I could wake up for the rest of my life till the day I don't wake up and I'd love doing it more. It would provide more value to the world. And then a third optional, most of us, it's not that optional, but how, how might I get paid for providing that value to the world? Um, it doesn't have to be a part of that. I mean, certainly certain, some people give up a career and go into volunteering and that's their unique ability is, it was, is really, it doesn't require monetization. That's great too. So I don't want to require that, but I think not enough people look, look at that. So for me, it's just looking at, Hey, what do I enjoy doing? And what do I enjoy doing? And what do I seem to be good at? And what could I, what could I enjoy the process of getting better at? And so for me, just to give you an idea, I spent a lot of money and time. That's why it's so esoteric. Like my unique ability, like what I do, I'd say between 75 and 90% of the time, I'm constantly trying to do more, is I try to have impactful conversations and meaningful conversations that lead to produced outcomes. So you reach out and you very kind. And you said, hey, man, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And it's, okay, great. I'd love to be on your podcast. And so, you know, I looked you up and whatever, and it sounds great. And so- if I'm, this is a hopefully a meaningful conversation that's going to lead to the produced outcome of a podcast being released into the world, and hopefully it helps somebody. If you had said, "Hey Nick, will you write a special report for me that I can send out to my?" I would either say no, or I'd say if it was worthwhile for the audience and who it's going to help, I'd have a meaningful conversation with a ghostwriter, and that ghostwriter would produce the outcome of this special report. In a documentary, I have a meaningful conversation behind the camera, sometimes in front of the camera. Sometimes I speak from stage, sometimes do podcasts, sometimes do interviews. And all I do is I stay in my lane and just try to have the most meaningful conversation I can. One last tip and I will shut up and you can ask me a question. Um, I've been a songwriter for years. One of the tips I got early on when I was writing, you know, when you come into a songwriter's room, so in Nashville, we write typically two songs a day, uh, like a 10 or 11 a.m. write and a 2 or 3 p.m. write. And it's like five days a week. I mean, that's, it's just, it's how it works. And so uh, you cannot wait for inspiration to strike. You have to create inspiration. And, you know, you when you get invited into a room, there's, especially the first couple of times, like you feel a lot of pressure, like what I got invited in or a friend vouched for me or it's like, you feel like I got to bring ideas. Like I got to bring really great ideas. And one of my friends told me one time, I was like, Hey Nick, you need to have good ideas, but the best writers always write the best song in the room that day. And it's always the, the combination of the people and the energy and what's going on in everyone's lives is going to create the song that your job is just to help uncover that day. So sometimes like the other day I came with an idea that everyone's like, let's write that. Let us write that. But sometimes it's like, all right, cool. And you got to just be open to like, what's, right, what do you think? And what I think. And so for me with having meaningful conversations, like, like with you in this podcast, like I don't prepare for these conversations just on my style. I have what, you know, what like a jazz musician would call riffs. So I've got certain things I can go to when it's an appropriate time to go, oh, I got a story for this or a concept for this or whatever. But other than that, it's like, I really, I think the best way that I can serve your audience is just to have the best conversation in the room today, which is, you know, following your lead and going where, where, and just going where, where, where it goes. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of gold in what you just said. And the, the biggest takeaway for me just in that, and, and maybe it's because the last thing that I heard, right. You go, okay. in in reality, the way that you step into creating something powerful is that you have to, for lack of a better term, you just got to show up and do it on the days you don't want to, on the days you do want to, and every single day in between. I mean, that's the same way I built a podcast, same way I wrote a best-selling book, the same way I've done all of the things. Like, it's like, I don't want to sit down and write for four hours. I can think of a million better things to do, but it's on the calendar. So you show up and, and, and Nick, that kind of leads me into this question that for, for a lot of people listening right now or watching, 
they're probably thinking like, man, this Nick guy, he's just one of the lucky ones. He must have had everything handed to him. I mean, he's written music. He probably will win a Grammy one day. He knows all these celebrities. Why are we even listening to this guy right now? But I, I want to ask you this question because I think it'd be really impactful and beneficial for people to understand something. How much of this journey for you has been about getting out of your own way? Oh, man, I think in in some ways, every part of it. So I what I share a lot with people is, look, um, first thing when I talk to somebody they're like, you know, either I don't have a story, which there's a whole I could go on a, a tangent on that for a while. But like those the, or, uh, yeah, I. I really need to start. I need to write that book. I need to, I need to give speeches, but I don't, I'm not a great speaker like me. I got a list, but I mean, there's, I talk too fast, whatever. There's like, I always tell people when your mission, when your mission and your message are more important than your ego, you just get out of your own way and you'll start. Because if it's truly mission driven and you're like, I, if you really believe that you have the power to impact a million people or that if you were the one doing everyone's heart surgery as a surgeon, you would save 10% more lives. Like you're not going to worry about your delivery. You're going to worry about like, I got to just get out there and get started. And I got to start, you know, evangelizing for whatever it is that I'm evangelizing for. Like me, a big thing is like, everyone has a story and everyone has a story that matters. And there's a, there's a series of events that led you and me to this moment today. And without, and, and not even being hokey about it. Like it's, if we go back and actually, think about those moments, like and honor those moments. Like most of us have things that happened in kindergarten or first or second or third grade, things in high school, things in college that are driving us right now. And we just haven't acknowledged it. Like I talk about it all the time. I had a third grade teacher tell me from the front of the class, I was stupid. And I was mad about it for a long time. I wanted to FedEx her a box of Emmys. Um, she has no clue, by the way. I think she's just having a bad day. You know, and I think this is like this for most people. Every time she sees my mom in the grocery store, she always asks how I'm doing, says I was one of her favorites. And for years, like I have a little grudge against this lady. But when I think about it, like perhaps she's one of the people who, I mean, she is one of the people I can say for sure that like that drove me to prove to the world, like to perform. Now, you got to keep that in a healthy balance because just performing and not enjoying your life or any of that is, is not is not healthy for anybody. And we shouldn't just be doing it to run away from demons. But there's these moments that have led us to, to where we are today. And so, so much of my, like, like, look, getting into, uh, emailing a lady at the Emmys for the first time was super uncomfortable. I mean, getting on phone calls sometimes with people who you don't know, or you don't know where their idea is going to lead. And so I've just learned over the years. I mean, a lot of it's based on how my presentation of it is, is based on my faith, but you could, you could extrapolate it. But I, I realized that if I want to accomplish the things that are that are for me in life, um, I got to give God elbow room. I got to like stop trying to control everything. I just got to show up and do the best I can and serve the best I can in the moments that I'm given. And so that's what I try to do. And I mean, look, um, I it would be it would be silly for me to say I don't have any talents or gifts. That would be that would be like disrespectful uh, to even to the audience. And then the same thing for you. I don't go around bragging about my talents and gifts, but certain things come easy to me. It's come easier than other things. Certain things I am terrible at. And so to me, what I've really learned is um, collaboration like makes this all work. So if I want to accomplish something, the best way to get out of my own way is to go find mentors and people who can help me accomplish those things. And so 
I think um, what I really want people to take away is like, I am, I'm different than everybody. Like we're all different. We're all different than each other, but there was definitely like, I didn't have a relative in the business. I mean, I remember when I first started, when I was in music, I read a book that I was, I was born in 1980, right? So I'm not that old, but I'm starting to become one of the older ones in a lot of rooms these days, but yeah, you know, I'm 41, right? So when I was like in the mid nineties, as I, we didn't have, we had like prodigy, maybe AOL was coming online, but like, there wasn't like, you can go find anything you want on the World Wide Web. And so you'd get books. You go to the library, the bookstore, whatever. And there's a book called All You Need to Know About the Music Business by this guy, Donald S. Passman. I think he's still a law professor at USC or somewhere out there. And like one of the things was like, hey, if you want to have a career in music, you must have an entertainment lawyer. Well, I had to, I, I got the phone book and I, I was living in Orlando. There's like maybe three people listed our entertainment lawyer, but we just had Matchbox 20 just broke out of Orlando. Seven Mary 3 was. And so like there was a little bit of a scene. It was supposed to be Hollywood East. You know, Disney was building a studio and stuff. So there's a few people. But like I had to like call and as a 15, 16 year old kid with like no money and try to find someone who talked to me about it because this was my only way. This book says I got to get, you know, I got to get an attorney. You just like you just have to take these steps and they're uncomfortable conversations. I actually ended up getting through to one guy and ended up in a Bible study with him 20 years later, which is funny. I was like, I was able to tell the group, like, he doesn't even know who I am. I'm going to tell you guys, this guy's the real deal. He's a good dude. He took my call when I was 15 and he was Matchbox Tony's lawyer and he, and he walked me into the next few steps I could take in my career. But all of this is all like, I am not specialer. That's a terrible word, but I'm going to use it intentionally than anybody else here. I have taken, I have taken risks. Um, some have worked out, some have not worked out. I think if the, the main thing I can tell anyone, if you want to be successful, I mean, self-awareness is huge. I mean, you can't just keep not getting any better or not having the talent to do something and expect to be great at it. But I will say, I think an equal dose of perseverance is super helpful because you really only lose the game when you give up and the rest of it is you're, you're still in the game. And so again, can sound really cliche, but man, I, the things that I like, there's no good reason why I should still be writing songs and trying to make it professionally. I just this last year got my first, I've been writing since I was 15 and I'm 41. And I had my first commercial success probably last year. And every time I went to Nashville, everyone had m many reasons. My employees probably were like, why is, what is he doing? Like to question it, but like eventually, you know, I, I did Rudy's documentary. Rudy has a phrase, pester life until it gives in. Like, that's what I did. I just kept going until someone gave up. And they're like, and, and, and eventually I got a great enough song and a big artist wanted to cut it and blah, blah, blah. So now we have a few million spins on Spotify, but you still make no money from that. So the next step is, how do we make some money? And so anyway, hopefully I answered your question. Lots of stories in there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love it, man. There's so many different ways I can poke and prod this because I'm just like, yes, I get that. And yes, I get that. You know, one, one of the things that comes to mind is this idea really parlaying with what you just said about fortune favors the bold. And I think so much of my experience, like this idea of like going back in time, tracing all the footsteps to right now. I mean, it's taken me 36 years to get to this moment with you today, you know, and it took a lot of decisions, a lot of failures, a lot of doing things the wrong way. And most importantly, and I, I try to teach this to my coaching clients. I try to bring it into my books, into my public speaking and everything that I do. And, and it's so much about being a part of a collective to be able to create massive change in your life. And, and I know that you're big on this. You've mentioned, you know, community a couple of times here. Um, but you said something I wrote down one time. You said, we are not self-made. We are community made. 
go into that for me because I, I think it hits home for me in a way that I hope will hit home for other people. Yeah, you know, I, I heard a few people say this. I think maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of got me thinking about this for the first time when I may I think it was him who said something like that. It's like there's this um this uh, Western culture has the um has the tendency to take any you and make it singular. So if I say you, you would go, it's talking to me. It's about me. It's about me. And so we have this really singular focus on ourselves. And we're all sort of born self-centered, right? Like I need milk, I need food, I need whatever. And so at some point, I think a lot of us lose track of the 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 fact that like whether I liked the interaction with that third grade teacher or not, she helped shape who I was. And then beyond that, people who like my parents who sacrificed a lot. We were immigrants, like to help me and my brother get to university and to get through university and to have food on the table. And all, like, like, even if you were forsaken by your parents, let's say, and you had to get a job to work to, to work, to raise yourself, you know, to where you're like, you, you probably still had, you still had someone who took a chance on you and gave you a job. You probably had someone who modeled some good behaviors for you that you learned how to not recreate a broken past or that, that a broken past that you were brought up in. So we, we are, we are the sum of, you know, it's funny because you could really break it down to simplest principle of sort of a, 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 can become a hokey self-help principle, but you know, you are the sum of the nine people you hang out with the most, but we, we are, every one of us is, is the product of what we put into our heads. And whether that's, you know, before I met Tony Robbins, I had had hundreds of hours when I was training for tennis as a kid. My coach gave me Tony Robbins CDs and like, you know, Tony Robbins was part of my my mindset. And then my tennis coach, who was nice enough to give me the pirated CDs, which I've had to apologize to Tony Robbins about uh, that I had. But like we're all we're made by our we are made by our surroundings and by our community. And if you make good decisions, you try to remove toxic people and places from that community. They still do shape you, though, by the way. They, they are part of your upbringing. So I think it's just a very selfish way of looking at things to say you're, you're self-made because you're not. I mean, you, nobody has done everything for themselves their entire life. And a lot of times, um, if you think you're self-made, more people than you know did things for you that you just never recognized. So you probably owe a lot of people thank yous that you never took the time to think about. Yeah, I, I could not agree with that more. I mean, there is a 0% chance I'd be here talking to you without mentors, without coaches, without teachers who put me in situations that made me recognize the path I was heading down. I mean, statistically, I come from a zip code. I should be dead or in jail. I should have multiple felonies. I, I've, you know, it, my life has been absolutely chaotic. I, things have happened in my experience that most people hear and they go, that's a movie. And I go, no, it's real life. Like dark things happen. And, and one of the things that happened to me, Nick, in my, my mid-20s, I just kind of lost hope, man. I was in this position. I, I'd gone through corporate America. I dealt with childhood trauma and abuse and being homeless and doing drugs at 12 years old. And I found myself into money. And I was like, oh, money's going to solve all of my problems. Well, it turns out that ain't real because that's not how it works. And right. I just kind of lost hope for a while. And, 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 and you talk about this idea that if we give people hope, they can find their dreams again. How do you give people hope through storytelling? Man, I think storytelling, look, um, I, I love it and I say it to him too, but like Rudy, right? So most people have seen the sports movie Rudy. It's really not a sports movie. It's really a movie about hope and perseverance, but it happens to be backed by football. But if you were to break down Rudy's story the worst way possible, which is probably how each of us break down our own stories because 
we're not megalomaniacs. We're not, you know, narcissistic egomaniacs. And we just think, oh, I, my story is nothing special because I lived it. Like we all think like other people's talents. Like if you can play piano really well, you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You just play the piano. And but playing drums is like, that's cool because you can't. And and someone else's story is cool because it's not yours. Yours, you lived it. It just seems normal. It's like, oh, it just you couldn't not live it. It's just what happened. And so um, what I, I try to get um, what I try to get across is you as you look at each of these things and, and the uniqueness in it, um, man, I forgot where I was totally forgot where I was going. Sorry. What let me to your question again. No. Yeah, no worries. You're talking about hope and storytelling, and you oh, talk sorry, from Rudy. Rudy. Yes, I'm about Rudy. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Yes. And so, what did you say? If you were to break that down, the worst way possible, it's like this guy doesn't take the SAT or ACT. Um, he he somehow finds his way into Notre Dame, and he he walks on the football team. He never really gets to play. But he does get in in one game, and he makes one tackle. Like that is sort of the essence of Rudy at its lowest common denominator. But the way that story is told and the the triumph and the the trials in it are what make it one of the, I mean it's the n- number one most popular like sports movie of all time now and so it's always in the top ten lists right and so it's because of the way that story was told and so um to me stories can give us hope to things we didn't even know were possible so like for instance I just told uh, Anusha Ansari's story on my series on Amazon Prime and. She is the first private female space explorer. Well, I would before I met Anusha and Peter Diamandis, I did not know that there was going to be that there was not even there was going to be there was. I mean, she went to space I think over ten years ago. Like that that was a thing. If even if NASA wasn't going to space, there were still ways to go to space. Like that's inspiring. Um, uh, Peter Diamandis' story of funding the X Prize. Those of you who don't know, is the ten million dollar prize for the fir- first private spaceship. Uh, that could do two suborbital flights within 10 days with reusable materials. There's a whole thing. It was a $10 million prize. Well, Peter launched the actually, and by the way, it became the technology that Richard Branson bought. It became Virgin Galactic, and he just wrote on it for the first time. You probably noticed. And so Peter launches $10 million prize, and I tell this story in the, in the film I made about Peter, uh, Visioneer. Uh, Peter made this, launched this prize, and he didn't have the $10 million. And he kept trying to raise the $10 million, and he couldn't raise the $10 million. And Peter ended up getting the $10 million by buying hole-in-one golf tournament insurance. So, like, if you go to a golf tournament, there's a million-dollar purse if you get hole-in-one. They don't have a million dollars in the safe somewhere. They hired an insurance company to do the odds, and they do it for a bunch of golf courses, and everybody pays in their insurance. And when it some random time gets hit, the insurance company has enough money, and they pay it out. Well, so Peter's mentor said, hey, let's go see how much we could get there's these policies. Let's go get an insurance company that'll bet against us in this time frame. And we just don't know how much, you know, $10 million of space insurance is going to cost us. Well, so when people see that story, it blows their friggin' mind. Like you got what? And it makes, for me, it's like, dude, anything is possible. Like there's always a way you can always find a way. Now it's probably not the way most people give up after two rejections or one rejection, but there is a way. And you've got to just keep pushing to find it. And so finding nuggets like that for me that I can share with the rest of the world that no one has a clue about, like that gives so much hope. There's there's that on the very positive side. And then I've done you know a lot of work in human trafficking. I've done a lot of work with Operation Underground Railroad. And I'm just releasing that my actually the world premiere is uh, this week in L.A. on the film called It's Happening Right Here, 
which is about human trafficking in America and how it's happening, how kids aren't really being, I mean, there, some of it happens, but not nearly, the percentage of trafficking right now is not nearly, uh, the low, probably one of the lower percentages is like abducting kids, dyeing their hair, you know, kidnapping them from movie theaters, whatever it is. Like most of it's happening online now with kids getting exploited through, you know, through video cameras on their cell phones, through things like TikTok and Roblox and, and uh, uh, Minecraft and just things you wouldn't even think of. And so that film's coming out and that is a dark subject, but it still can provide hope because if I can give a parent the knowledge, like my, my biggest takeaway from that, and I got two teenager boys and a daughter who's 10, is like, look, number one, kids are going to make stupid mistakes. Like this is part of growing up. But we expect, we don't say it, but we sort of expect our kids to be perfect, right? But so I can, one of the ways kids get trafficked today is let's say, okay, you and I have both been teenage boys. We understand what that's like. Teenage boys, anyone who's been a teenage boy will understand this. And a teenage girl, if you've ever interacted with a teenage boy, you'll understand this too. And I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype too much, but you get my point. If I'm a teenage boy and I've had a bad day and I post on Instagram or my story or whatever, uh, life sucks when my parents hate me or my girlfriend just dumped me or my whatever. And I get a, in a, a DM from some gorgeous person that I would be into. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. You're blah, blah. And she develops a relationship with me. And eventually she starts sending me half naked to finally fully naked pictures. If I'm in this relationship with her and I want to send them back. And for the moment you send that nude photo or that compromising photo, you're done. Because all of a sudden you realize that's not, I wasn't really talking to that girl. I was talking to a 57 year old man in Iowa or wherever. And he, and he now says, Hey, here's the deal. I now have a nude photo of you and here's what you're going to do for me. You're going to masturbate every day at, on zoom at two o'clock and I'm going to sell tickets or you're going to send me videos. You're going to, or I'm going to post this online. I'm going to send it to everyone in your school. I know who all your friends are on Instagram. I can DM it to all them. I'm going to tell your parents. I'm going to, and all of a sudden this kid is screwed because the, the, they don't want to have the most awkward conversation they could ever have with either their parent or someone who might be able to help them. You know, they made one bet or a, a series or of, of bad decisions, which led to one really bad decision. And then the next decision really will dictate how much worse this gets. And so for me, I hope everyone walks away with the fact that from this movie, like, look, I tell my kids, I, I'm like, never text anyone a picture of your junk. Just don't do it. And if and when you do, Come tell me because I will help you. I know it to be an awkward conversation and I don't want you to do it. But if you ever do, if you ever feel like you're in a compromising position, come talk to me about it. Because one really awkward conversation with your dad and mom, I promise you, is much better than millions of, you know, soul-sucking interactions with people who don't give a damn about you. And so that's the message. And I, I, I think that I hope that that will bring hope because prior to this, any parent, it's a broken subject. It's a subject that's really dark. They don't know what to do. They don't even know what it is. They still think they're telling their kid, you know, and not that you shouldn't practice good safety, but like, you know, now it's so much more effort and so much riskier and creepier to buy a white van to lurk around movie theaters. No one even goes to malls anymore, right? But so they didn't even know the problem before. And now I, I go through all the way to them having some realizations of like, oh, wow, not only should I be aware of what social platforms and things my kids are using and what they can be used for. Like most people don't know Zoom. I mean, it makes sense once you hear that they sell tickets to child rape on Zoom because it's just a platform. And so they, they use it that way. And so when you realize what it is, I 
my hope is that it brings hope to somebody to go, okay, now I now I can now I can take the first step and starting to have some of these these awkward conversations. And like me, I showed the movie not to my youngest daughter, my two teenage boys. I showed it to them when we were finishing up the movie. I'm like, and, and it, to me, it gives a great starting point for a discussion. So my hope is it goes throughout schools and and churches and and organizations to just help start these conversations. So it doesn't matter whether it's a a positive or a negative topic. Storytelling can bring hope to it because you can see, um, you can see what others did. One, uh, I have a book called Story Selling. One of the things we talk about is how to win an argument, and the way the best way to win an argument is not to argue. It's to tell a story with the outcome you already know what the outcome is, and then you get to say, "And here's why the outcome is what it is." And then there's never an argument. So then, from that point on, you know what you're talking about because you cited a real example and you gave the reasons why it happened. And so storytelling allows you to do that and allows you to lead people down whatever path it is that you want to lead them down. And I choose to lead people down paths of hope, whether it's it's a bright subject or a, a dull, a dim subject. Yeah, and that, that's really beautiful. And I, I think so much of our, our human experience is recognizing that there's information on both sides and we often shy from the dark things. And that's why, like, I, I love the documentary you did with with Tim Ballard, um, Operation Trissant, because I looked at that and I was like, wow, look at what is happening in the world right now with child sex trafficking in the in light of the fact that we are now more evolved as a species than ever in history and yet it's still happening and then now with it's happening here looking at th this is kind of what's so fascinating to me nick about western society in america in particular and the way that we're sold this this lie or this fathom that we are always safe we're always protected america's where all the good things happen and then what the doctor documentary you're working on now and, and now coming to release this week in, in la and I just go, man, that's not true. There is still darkness. But in bringing light to that darkness, we're able to build what is next. We're able to cross those gaps, close those doors and help people go into what's next in their life. And, and that's a big reason that Think Unbroken, my company, we, we donate to OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, every single month through our programs, through the podcast, through our coaching, because it matters. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I think so frequently we get caught up and stuck in this idea that all of the bad things are everywhere else. And you're like, man, it's right next to us. And, and one of my missions in life, my number one mission in life is to end generational trauma in my lifetime. That's why I write the books. That's why I have the podcast. That's why I speak around the country. Because I always think if a kid doesn't have to have a story like mine, then that means I can tell my story to bring hope to people. So I'm right here with you. And I, I have a great appreciation for you, A, for putting yourself in a precarious and dangerous situations, but B, and, and probably more so, being willing to shine light on the darkness because you, you can't bring anything out when it's hidden still. And so I just want to commend you and applaud you and show you a just tremendous amount of gratitude for being willing to do that. I know that you put a bulletproof vest on to go in Haiti and do a raid. Like that takes, man. So thank you for that. Oh, no, it, uh, it was an honor to do it, man. It's uh, those guys do the hard work. We just had cameras, but it was. It's it's crazy to see that stuff up close and personal, and and I, you know, since then I've I've been with Tim and OUR to you know Colombia, Iraq, Mexico on different things, and uh, you know it's it's interesting how um, you know you, it's like anything else. You just you you go when it feels right. You know, I, I would tell everybody like never force that stuff because things could happen. But I never really felt that in danger. There's there's a couple moments when you look back, you're like, oh wait a second. But um, but you know, you just do what feels right. And it was it's truly an honor. I mean Russell Brunson brought me in to tell that story. So I owe him a lot for that. And opened my eyes to a lot. And uh 
Yeah, man. I mean, people like you being brave enough to share your story of what you went through. You know, you can't control where you came from, only where you go, right? And so, so what what do you do with that? I think that's a, a big a big turning point for people. You got to decide what are you going to do with that. Are you going to continue to live a broken story, or are you gonna are you gonna find you know are you gonna find hope in those ashes? And I think, look, unfortunately, evil is always going to exist. Like it's just that's just the way it is. Um, human trafficking is just the one of the worst forms of bullying that there ever could be. And so every time technology allows a new way for it to happen, there's going to be someone who's going to figure out how to do that. And but our job as as you know evolving human beings is to try to say, all right, well, how can we equip people? How can we help those who've been drugged into it? How can we, you know, and and what what can we do? How can we help? But I I, I guess at the end of the day, the question I always try to ask um, is and try to remember to ask is like, how can I best serve? Like I've always found like even if I didn't know what to do next, and, and like when the pandemic hit, like when like if you're just like paralyzed, it's like what how what can i who can i serve right now and how can i serve them well because when you show up and serve opportunity abounds yeah that's so true and, and i'll tell you this when when i was in my darkest spot when i was at my rock bottom it was being of service that pulled me out of that and so i i'm right there with you and you need hope in your life go serve other people because i promise you your life will be different nick my friend this has been an absolutely amazing conversation before i ask you my last question can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere under Nick Nanton, nicknanton.com. If you opt in there, you'll get more stuff. I'd love for you to like my Instagram and subscribe to YouTube and all the stuff that uh, that you're interested in. Uh, but nicknanton.com sort of has, uh, if you opt in there, you'll get the updates on new movies and new stuff. Brilliant. And of course, we'll put all of the links in the show notes and go check out Nick on Amazon Prime. I know Operation Trusan is on there right now. You can watch it for free as a part of Amazon uh, or if they change the algorithm and now you have to pay. Either way, go watch it because it's an incredible documentary. Uh, Nick, my last Thank question you. for you, my friend, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? You know, that term reminds me of, you know, the, the plot line. There's seven major plot lines in, in storytelling. And there's one, it's Rebirth. And Rebirth is an amazing plot line, but it requires tragedy before you can be reborn. So to me, being unbroken is, you know, is acknowledging the broken pieces of your life and your story. And then uh, using those to, as you said, to, to, to help others either not make the same mistakes or identify certain problems earlier so they don't have to go through the same pain you have. I tell people, look, um, first of all, everyone has a story that matters. And the like we talked about, the moments that led you to here, the things that got you to here look like clear, very clearly there are elements in your life that make you the most uniquely suited person in the world to speak to your audience of people who are trying to avoid or fight or or, or come back from these horrific events. And and at, at best, you're giving you somebody you said you're 36. You're, you're giving mm -hmm. people a 36 year shortcut. And so I, I like to think I'm giving people a 41 year shortcut. And every time I deprive people and you deprive people and everyone listening deprives people the sharing of the lessons you have learned, the things you have learned by living the number of years you've lived. You're literally depriving them of a multi-decade shortcut. And so I think Unbroken is uh, being willing to step out and share uh, the broken parts of your life and, and as well as the things that you have learned um, to help create something new, which is not even about you. It's about creating new opportunities for other people. Brilliantly said, my friend. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be 
Unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.